If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I am joined by Paul Jones, the author of End to End, who is joining me for, as you can probably hear, an out of doors, socially distanced podcast. Paul, before we get stuck in, who are you and what's the new book about? Okay, uh, <laughs> I'm Paul Jones um, and uh, I'm a Bristol based writer. Um, Former head teacher. Yeah, that, that, that weird past life thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I sort of, yeah, I mean, most of the time I'm a teacher actually, to be honest, but I do writing um, as a thing. And I've written this new book called End to End. And it's about, um, it's about the end-to-end record. Like, that's the main focus. So to be clear to our readers outside yeah. the UK, that's the, uh, the John O'Groats to Land's End record, which is from the southern tip of the UK right the way to the north over, is it 841 miles? Yeah, so it's sort of more or less that. I mean, it's not actually a set distance because you can do it any route you like, but the quickest route is generally accepted. Um, and yeah, so it's, uh, so it's about that. So it starts with that and the mad people who do it and the ridiculous speeds they do, like unbelievable speeds that make no sense in terms of common decency or like um, athleticism, just absolutely beyond anything I've seen. Uh, and there's also just this idea of it being a journey at the same time, um, you know, a process, a, a, like an obsession and a thing that lots of people do from a lay perspective, like people do it, and I, if I was to really clumsily sort of say, I'd say you have end to end, if you like, and then you have le jog, 
Like, and, 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 you know, the end to end is quite a sort of sanctified thing and the jog is a more sort of, is more the element of communion, you know, where everyone joins in and everyone does it. And, you know, this book, I think, sits somehow in those, in, in both camps, I would say, because I talk to these record people, but then also I do it and I am not a record person, categorically not. <laughs> I'm someone who, if I have to ride particularly long distances, I start to dissolve into a sort of puddle of amorphous kind of mess and cry. <laughs> so that, yeah, so it's both those things. I think you, you really touch on that in the start of the book and we'll, we'll come on to the, the actual record side of it because it is fascinating and it, you know how hideous some of these attempts are and the extremes people go to. But, you know, you say at the start that for a lot of people they do it for all sorts of reasons from just an excuse for a nice tour to things in memory and you say that you know, life is short and journeys um, shape meaning and I just really, really like the idea of, you know, people do these kind of rides again for all sorts of reasons. Um, and your kind of own journey is a big part of the book as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. And it, uh, okay, so journeys shape meaning, right? So, you know, which is, that is something I say in the book. And I think it's true because when you do a big thing like this, it's both something literal, but also often as a metaphor, you're looking for something else. And that can be not very much, or it can be something big, or in my case, I think, it can be something you didn't realize you were looking for. So what I'm saying by that is when I set out to write this, write this book, this isn't what I was going to write. It just happened to coincide with a period in my life where things got quite grippy you know, and I think, you know, like that bit in a road race where you're, you're, when you're doing a road race, if people have done one, you know, where you're like, there's always a point in the road race where you're like, oh my God, what the hell's going on? <laughs> like, what, why does this hurt so much? What, what is, you know, and you don't even know. And I sort of was having one of those phases in my life, really, where that, that involved a lot of reassessment. So a lot of reassessment, a lot of rethinking, a lot of stress, actually, a lot, straightforwardly, a lot of stress. And that was when I was writing this book. So then this book became the journey bits that were supposed to be literally just, how can I knit together chapters? How can I, how can I explore the landscape that these people talk about all the time? So they talk about like, they go Berrydale, they go like Helmsdale, they go Shapfell. It's like, how can I talk about that? I know, I'll go and visit them, right? So that, it was supposed to be very linear, very straightforward. Oh look, isn't Berrydale nice? Isn't, <laughs> like, oh, Shapfell's a lovely place. You know, like those travelogues people, right? Or like, oh, so-and-so rides around the world. Uh, lovely, lovely place. You know, look at the trees. And um, actually it was like, oh my God, this hill's a metaphor for my personal degradation. <laughs> so, so the book became that more than the straightforward thing. And I have to say, like, I do think it's better for it, but you know, that's, that's, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you set out to do something. Maybe that's the journey thing, isn't it? So you set out to do something. It's the thing you think you're going to do and it ends up, the thing you learn is the thing you didn't even know you were looking for or something like that. Totally. I really like in the, the opening paragraphs as well, you say that coming back from tours or even just doing this, you kind of felt inoculated from the stresses of wider life. And at a really, like, not selfish level, but, you know, from my experience of doing long, or any writing, it really is an antidote to the, the ills of the world. And I think for the, the lay people, it's a kind of, or the lay cyclist, it's such a remarkable thing to think you can cycle along the length of a country and, and it really captures people's imaginations. And I think framing, you know, those experiences and feelings around something so iconic as the jog in this case, um, I think it's wonderful. Actually, I, something I wanted to talk about was you, you say that 
Like I think the fact that it's that the jog is a British thing is only half of its Britishness because really we are, as you say, obsessed with fixed distances and time trialing. I thought that was so nice to kind of acknowledge as well. Do you think there's something about the, the national psyche or perhaps it is something to do with the history of our sport that makes these outrageous attempts and kind of form of racing a particularly UK-focused thing? I think it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Like, I... You know, it, it does sort of come out of time trials, doesn't it? And it comes out... Like, if you really want to get nerdy about it, it comes out of the reaction against mass start racing, which was seen as a continental excrescence, you know, and that's a quote, you know, a Bidlake or someone like that who, you know, had his moments, but also had his rampant, like, misogyny. <laughs> but, like, you... That, that's the roots of cycling in the UK, and it, and it still exists, and the RRA was founded, you know, in the 1880s, and it still exists, mm. you know, just as many of those clubs, Bristol South, as we know, you know, because we are members, but like, you know, Bath, the Bath Road, Catford, you know, those clubs were founded in the 1880s, 1890s, and, you know, that, that's the cultural heritage of cycling in the UK, it's that form, you know, so, so I think, you know, the end-to-end -end is like some weird er text mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like yeah. it's a palimpsest on which all other cycling in the uk is written you know and um yeah it's, it's a real so yeah i guess to a degree i think so you know and and it's had its ups and downs hasn't it like it it's in it's sort of in not in vogue do you know in because you can't really have it in vogue something as, as absurd as this no certainly but it's it, not something everyone's yeah. going to go out and try and have a go at but it's certainly yeah. um it's seen more attempts in recent years but i remember i was talking about hill climbs the other week and um and they were i remember saying something like oh the thing we reason why people like hill climbs is because of that peculiar peculiar thing of location but also because of authenticity mm. and like cycling is a big thing about the, the big thing about cycling is it's people look for authenticity they see it as an authentic thing so much so that we get really snobby if like we see something inauthentic which is why people have so polar opinions about cycling clothes and this and that and you know and there's you know all Heaven of that forbid disc breaks yeah yeah it, you know like all of that so you know, and I think that things like this, like the end-to-end, -end, it's like they, 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 don't, they have a very natural authenticity, you know, a very a realness, partly because they're so unforgiving and, you know, transcend a lot of those things that, that we seek to order cycling with. Uh, on that kind of subject, you know, to just give some context with the record, the men's record is currently held by Michael Broadworth, and he set that in 2018. You accompanied him on that, but... What are we talking time-wise to cover the length of the UK? Yeah, it's, it sort of doesn't make any sense. So the, 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 the men's figure, so Mike Broadwith, his time is 43 and a bit hours. It's horrific. Yeah, so that, I mean, it's just an absurdity. And the women's record by Lynn Taylor is 52 hours and a bit. So, yeah, it just... Yeah, less than two days for the men and slightly over two days for the women. For a long drive, that's a very yeah. fast cycle. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think if you look at your sort of... At the average speed, I think, for Mike, the average was about 20 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. you, I think you said the last time we did a podcast that you got to see the length of the UK at 20 miles an hour because you accompanied him on the, the record. And yeah. What was that like as an experience? It's odd, actually, because you think if someone says to you, you know, you're going to sit in a van like, and drive to Scotland at 20 miles an hour, You'd be like, that's one of the worst ideas you could ever have. Yeah. But actually, it become the the sense of there's a sense of purpose and there's a weird experience, and you're and it becomes kind of hypnotic. And time 
for something that's going very slowly, time passes incredibly quickly. Yeah. You know, because it, it just does. It's just weird. It's just... It's like coming from the end of a long drive. You feel like no time's passed. And if yeah. you're watching someone do something genuinely extraordinary, it's, it, it's captivating, really. Yeah, and there's a lot of chatter as well. I mean, I was in a van. There were five of us in the van. You know, there were probably three other vehicles. There's a WhatsApp thread going yeah. absolutely bananas across the cars, you know, and you're, you're always thinking and planning the stops and the overtakes and all of that. So it does, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. You know, it really is. It's like a, you know, it's a very, you know, you, you actually feel quite lucky to be there, you know, to be a part of this amazing thing. I think that's, that's important. We've actually got a documentary coming out on Michael Broadwood at some point, kind of early half of this year. So check out our YouTube channel because we do have that coming up fairly soon and I've heard it's a belter. Um, now the woman's attempt, uh, Taylor, she set a record in 2002, um, which, you know, there's been, the men's record has kind of fallen. Surely it can't be long now until the, the woman's record sees another really hard attempt and who do you, who do you see on the horizon for that one? I think it's two, it's two people who've had a go recently, well, it's more than two. So I certainly think the first person a while back was Jasmine Muller wanting to have a go and, you know, it didn't work out. And then um, you've got the two sort of uh, Chris's. So you've got Chris McKenzie and Chris Murray, and they've both had a go and both haven't managed to do it. And I certainly know one of those is going to have another crack. And there are probably two or three others lined up, I think. And I, I think right now we're probably looking at sort of a... There's a lot of people basically who think that record is due. But <laughs> it's a really hard record. Yeah. And I think people look at it and they think, oh, that, that's a doable record now with what we've got. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they realise, you know, how, you know, that... that it's, it's harder than it looks. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's harder than it looks in a trite way. I'm saying Lynn's record is a really, really big ask. Mm -hmm. And I think, and it's proved that the past, over the past three years, you know, some serious cyclists, including national 24 hour record holders, haven't done it, Yeah. you know? And the reason they haven't done it is not, you know, it's not because they're not good bike riders. Very it's, good bike it's riders. Because, yeah, it's because this record will find you out yeah. one way or another, you know, or well, you know, you've got to contend with everything. Well, and, over 840 miles, you know, anything, quite yeah. literally anything can happen. So I, I think it, I think there's going to be some, there's, there's credible attempts coming and there were credible attempts last year. So, but, you know, it, we'll, we'll see, you know, it's, where are we now? Like 17 years on, I think yeah. that one was set. So. Put a, definitely one to come. And then before that, the record was held previously by Eileen Sheridan, who were running a small extract from PJ's book on bikeradar.com without giving away too much. Just talk us through Eileen, because she's such a remarkable character yeah. and, you know, a big part of the book, I think, as well. Um, yeah, what was it like meeting her? And I think, I, do, I mean, I, I sort of understate it a bit, but... I don't think I can because I genuinely think meeting Eileen Sheridan is probably the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, like in my <laughs> life. You know, I, I can't, you know, I can't underplay that. She is just the most wonderful, like luminous human being. And I think anyone who's met her will say that. You know, I, I remember years ago, Jack Thurston did a podcast with her and I just remember listening to it. It was on the bike show and Resonance or whatever, listening to it and just thinking, who is this lady? She is amazing, you know, talking about her riding, talking about her life. 
you know, and all of this. I remember reading Isabel Best's chapter on her in Queens of Pain and, you know, and then I was thinking, oh, I really need to speak to Eileen, but I was really nervous about it. And then in the end, it was Isabel Best who said, look, just give, just send, just get in touch with her because she likes to talk and, you know, all this. And I, I got in touch, I sent her a letter, you know, I thought, do you know what, I'm going to write her a letter with my fountain pen. And I did that. And then the, the next day you just, I got a phone call. I was like, oh, who's that? And it's like, you know, she's like, oh, you know, hello, Eileen Sheridan here. And you're like, oh, oh my God, it's Eileen Sheridan, you know. And she rang last night. She's like, it's just, oh, hello, Paul. It's Eileen Sheridan, you know. I've got your book. I haven't read it yet. I'll tell you more about it later. <laughs> and you're like, oh, how old is she you know, now? She's 97. Like, and. Biking's good, cycling's good for you. Oh, yeah. And, but just, I, I feel like she, you know, it, outside of the year, I mean, it, you know, the, what she did on the bike was just astonishing. Like astonishing stuff. You know, some of her records, I think, still stand. I think one of her place to place, and I get it wrong, I did uh, London to uh, York to Edinburgh, maybe something like that. Someone, she set it in 1953, I think. And then last year, Chris Murray took it uh, and she beat it by like 17 minutes. <laughs> now, you know, Chris Murray was on a full bongo bike. Full bongo. Massive full bongo, bongo, you know, and... Um, all of that jazz, and I only showed it, showed him was on a five-speed Hercules, you know, and it just goes to show there's something extraordinary about her, you know, and yeah, so meeting her and sitting down and having tea and biscuits and talking about her life was just, you know, was a genuine privilege, you know, it really, really was. And you touch, I, I'm yet to get properly stuck in, but there was quite a lot of controversy, wasn't there, in the day of kind of, particularly around the woman's attempt and the, uh, <laughs> unnecessary concerns of the male cycling world. I mean, do you think that, how long did that persist really? Well, I think it certainly went, you know, the, four, the men's RA, like start, so the men's place to place attempts were going since 18, since she had bicycles, 1880, you know, ordinaries, then onto, onto diamond frame, all the way through, you know, um, and then, but the women's RA didn't form until 1933, 34, I think. And it was Petronella, who's this really amazing figure as well. You know, if you sort of just, just Google Petronella, you've just come up with some amazing stuff. There's beautiful images at the archive at Warwick. You know, she, so they did that. And, but they, they started off by only doing place to place, not doing Lands and John O'Groats, because there was a real anxiety, a deep-seated anxiety that, um, that, that if men saw women in some kind of state of distress, it would be really you know, awful or problematic, and they were worried it would set things back and all of this, and, you know, and, and it just, just a very sort of patriarchal, sort of almost late Victorian attitude to women and their sort of fragrancy and the domestic versus the public, like all of that stuff is bound up in it. And, you know, and then, and it took some, some pioneers, you know, some, some phenomenal people, you know, like Petronella certainly, but like Billy Dovey, um, and Lillian Dredge to kick it off and to show, and that's why that chapter's called, you know, Women Will Not Die By The Wayside, because people like Bidlake and these other, like, arch curmudgeons would be like, oh, you know, women will die and it would be terrible for men to see them or even see them in a state of distress and, you know, wearing, wearing these clothes. You know, there was the sort of... Outrageous. <laughs> it's hard, it's like, it's, it's just unbelievable that yeah. it persisted for so long. Yeah, and they, even when they were doing it, they got the rough end of the stick. You know, Marguerite Wilson, who you know, is now, now increasingly recognised as this, you know, one of the, the 
best cyclists. You know, it's not a gendered even issue, is it? You know, you know she is one of the greatest cyclists that ever lived. Um, but they were, you know, whilst um, the men, Sid Ferris and others on their attempts were being waiting for the weather and being set off with a decent, you know, tailwind and all of this. The women were just expected to go, you know, like, oh, now you've got to go, got to go now. We don't have time to wait, you know, it's, we'll wait for the men, but not for the women. And, you know, all of those sort of minor, that seem minor, but all of those, you know, sort of that, that lack of parity was sort of there on so many levels, you know, so. Yeah, it's interesting, really, and and I sort of I try and I try and really, you know, it's really important. I think that I, I wrote about that. You know, I know lots of other people are you know writing about all of these things, and it's brilliant to see. And I, but I also think it's important that this book really foregrounds um, with the women's experiences alongside the men, like with with absolute parity and with as you know clear an eye that I as a you know, as a, as a bloke, as a man, can do it, you know? And that's what I've tried to do, really, I guess. Well, I think you absolutely have. Um, of the record now, and looking back to Michael's records on the men's side, um, do you think, you know, do you think there's scope for it to fall again? And, you know, what kind of, where are the gains going to be made? Uh, it, they, it, it will go again. Um, there's going to be some attempts, I'm sure, this year if we, you know, if, if everything else lines up, you know. We're allowed to. Yeah, exactly, if we're allowed to, which I think we will be, because they squeaked in a few last year. But it, what it comes down to is you get, it's the weather. And you, you if you get the weather, it, then and every, yeah, I mean, there's so many variables, but... The weather's like, more than yeah, half the battle. Yeah, and the thing that nearly did for Mike was the weather, mm. you know, and, and there was a sense that people very rarely get, you know, a gold standard day. And, it, and also it's two, it's a good two days, isn't it? So, you know, you, and also, you know, you leave at eight o'clock, like if you, because I do believe you are um, from north of the border. I am. And you will know that, like, when you've gone from Bristol to, um, you know, up to Edinburgh. It's or, tropical down it, here. Yeah, in and it'll be 10 degrees lower and the wind's in a different direction. So that's the difficulty, isn't it? So, you know, and there are several attempts by, by brilliant riders who have got north of Carlisle and they've realised the wind has changed and they're done for. So, yeah, there's, there's, you're done for, you can't do it. So. So I think we'll see it, and I think it will go if the weather is right, when the person can go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if those other variables. But there's definitely people on paper, yes. you know, who can do it. There's, there's, you know, there's people who have ridden the best part of 550 miles in 24 hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. the question is, what happens in the next 22 hours? Mm -hmm. You know, and you only got to look at Mike Broadway splits and. And the splits for everyone, like the women and the men, like they'll do 20 mile an hour, you know, they do 500 miles in the first 24 hours. That's what happens. And then in the second, and you're not, that's not halfway. You know, it's the other thing, you know, often for the women, like, but the, that second half, they do 17 mile an hour. Yeah. Or they'll do 18, you know, for women, it'd be like 19 mile an hour, 14 mile an hour. You know, I'm sort of, that's not, accurate don't quote me on those figures but i'm saying there is a massive difference mm. and that's what you know that's why when we you know the 24 hour is the best measure but it doesn't tell you what's going to happen on that second day of course not because it is yeah it's two days yeah. well, please correct me if i'm wrong but i think you know the interest and the records have been held solely by british riders is that right so the the big non-british rider is opperman mm -hmm. 
in the 30s. So Hubert Oppermann, so he's like, was that your question? That was the question, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. Um, and he, because actually, it's funny what we were talking about earlier, Australia has a history of place-to-place records. Wow. Like, yeah, like we're, and they are, I've only really sort of come across it, you know, lately. I sort of knew there was one because Opperman did one, but their place to place, their end to end, is about 4,000 miles. So there's a story of Opperman doing a, some absurd north to south where he's, and also where he's having to bunny hop onto a snake to kill it and like, you know, or, and there's another one I read recently where someone did a, you know, it was like, it's 12 days through the Nullarbor Plain you know, and in sand and stuff like this. So there's a funny history of place to place. So Opperman came over in the 30s and he brought this team of Australians with him and they were, you know, they were sponsored and they, there was this, this kind of war in the press because, uh, you know, the, the place to place was quite a big thing in those days, you know, so, but he took it. He's the only one, I think. I was going to say, you know, with that in mind, a question I have always thought is that it's it's odd that the, the certainly now the focus is largely on on British riders. You know, if some world tour pro came with the best kit and the best support possible, do you think the record could be just absolutely decimated? Do you think, or is it just that it takes a very special type kind of competitor? I, you know, I think I don't know the answer in a way. You know, I think when we funny when we were in the van following Mike, we were having this conversation. Mm. Like, and there was a talk, we were talking about Alex Dowsett. Yes. Because yeah. there's, there's talk that he, and so the phrase was, oh, he likes a long day in the chair. <laughs> like he likes, he likes a really long bike ride. Yeah. Like he's, you know, and he also, he knows his British time trolling, mm. you know. So they, we were sort of saying, oh, Alex Dowsett, you know, we could see him having a pop at this, you know, when he's done and he comes back and, you know, he, you know, he's like, feel like he's got a bit of potential. But I think the answer, that my gut feeling is, it's a bit like the hill climb, isn't it? Where quite often people think, oh, a pro could do that. And it, it sort of works both ways, right? So like, just as, a, as An- Andy Feather probably, you know, they say, oh, his watts are amazing. You know, really quite staggering, phenomenal stuff, world tour level, but actually wouldn't win up outdoors in the tour because a different thing. Similarly, the other way, you take those riders, that explosive effort, they don't, wouldn't necessarily do it. And that's often the case. We've seen those riders in the National Hill Climb come back 18th, you know, like, and you're, well, okay, there you go. It's so specialized, both yeah, these yeah. types of racing, yeah. Yeah, so, so I almost think they could do it, but they'd have to be... Pretty focused on Yeah, they'd have to really, like, it'd have to be their thing for that year. Mm. You know, they, that would have to be that. And Maybe a Lachlan Morton yeah. could do a Rafa marketing coup again and come in absolutely decimate it. He's the kind of guy who could do it, isn't he? And um, but I guess what you've got to remember is, like, Gethin Butler, you know, he was, you know, he rode the milk race, like, several times. You know, he's a phenomenal rider. He beat Chris Boardman around the Lake of Wintermere, you know. Andy Wilkinson, the same, you know, he rode the milk race a couple of times. He won, you know, on the, you know, rode the Tour of Ireland, won that, you know, they're pretty special people, pretty mm. special riders. So yeah, there's a lot of ifs, isn't there? And it's, that's a classic, it's a good pub conversation or a good van conversation whilst you're driving Scotland at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> well, I'm sure you come talked about a lot at that kind of yeah. uh, pace. So the book, when this podcast is, comes out, will be out. Um, it's published by Little Brown. It's very lovely. It's a very beautiful book as well. The cover is quite stunning on it. And um, I recommend you get stuck into it. It's a really fascinating cross-section of a, a, a truly odd bit of British cycling culture, but also a wonderful read about the wise man that is Paul Jones. <laughs> <laughs> or idiot, I think. No, idiot. not at all. Well, there is a chapter that's called 
I think something like Chasing an Idiot from Bradford to Kendall, I think, or something like that, which is, you know, I think would un undermine any, any ideas people have that I am someone of great sagacity would be undermined by some of my experiences, I think, in this book. Actually, I should ask that. You, you did, it certainly in, in chunks, am I right in saying, the kind of uh, little jog yourself. Would you do it again? I would do it again, yeah, absolutely. And I, because I did it, and it makes, it was, people will see, I explain it in the book, but I basically did some really long stages because I wanted to see, like what I wasn't doing was I wasn't doing this for a, a nice tour. I was doing it almost with a purpose, A, to see a lot of the scenery and that, that they've been, people talk about, so you can have a conversation with them and know what you're talking about. It's basically research, isn't it, I guess? And, nice form of research. Yeah, but also B, I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do a really long stage. So in a very small way, I can see how much, how horrible it is. Yeah. So like I do, I did Land's End to Bristol in a day, you know, and for me, that's a really big day, you know, like 212 miles, you know, for me, that's not nice. 212 hilly miles. Yeah, very hilly. I think like, I don't know, in terms of feet, it's probably about eight or 9,000. Maybe it's more than that, I don't know. You know, and, yeah, and I did another lot. So I mean, actually, I needed to lie down for a while, you know, and I got quite ill after that. Like, I think, you know, actually, you know, it's the sec I did a second big stage from Bristol to Bradford and, after, and in really bad weather. And I actually, it made me ill, you know, and yeah, so I sort of broke it down a bit. And I think to, for me doing it again, I'd just love to say that's two weeks. Do you know, what? I'm going to meander my way up the Y Valley. You know, I'm not going to go on the A38 at any point in time. I'm not going to go to the Gailey roundabout. I'm not going to go on the A9 because oh, it's a disgusting road. And Did you ride on the road or the path? I rode, so A9, you had to, I had to get the road out of Perth. Perth, yeah. Yeah, road out of Perth. That's bit. horrendous. And then you can drop down and follow the... What river is it? Oh, the Tay. The Tay, and that's beautiful. You can drop down. So basically, the record attempt stays on the A9 all the way the to A9. John O'Groats, where I think about a little bit outside John O'Groats, it changes into another road. So they stay on that all the way. It's 100 and from Inverness, it's 120 miles or something, isn't it? The A9 is basically yeah. the main road from yeah. kind of Perth all the way up to Inverness and yeah. way to the far north. And it is, yeah, I think, the most dangerous road in Scotland. It's grim as hell. Like, it's really grim. And I, so what I did was I, Whenever I could, I dropped off that one and I took the, well, along the River Gary, there's a lovely route and you sort of go by the distillery, end up seeing a lot of distilleries. You certainly do. So, that um, you, I mean, you end, there's one really nice one, like, and then eventually you get Glenmorangie's up there as well, you know, and all that. But you, but also over Dromocto, I took the Wade Road. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's oh, really good. Really, really nice. Really lovely. So, yeah, it was a good day, you know, because Dromocto's a very special place, isn't it? Mm hmm. Well, wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, absolutely recommend you check out the book and PJ's other two books, I Like Alf and Corinthian Endeavour, yeah. which are about Alf Engers, a time-trialling legend and the hill climb scene in the UK. Yeah. Um, will you be doing any racing this year, PJ? Will I see you any hill climbs? Uh, you, I don't, I've come to the conclusion that, you will see me at Burrington, but like I've, I don't think hill climbs now. I, I always think, oh, I do hill climbs and then I, sort of, I get around to it and I'm just like, no, they're really unpleasant. I'm not going to do them because, I, you know, yeah. And, and uh, but I probably, I will be doing time trials and I do, there is one absolutely stupid race I'm probably going to do because I want to do some writing. What are you going to do? Can you say? I can't really say, just in case I end up having to do it. And I would still like to, the choice of saying I'm not going to do it because it's a really vile race for me. Like, I, it's not something I'm 
able, you know, I would not have a nice time. All right. You know, but then that often makes the best writing, Absolutely. doesn't it? Absolutely, you've got to suffer so, for your art. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. But yeah, I'll be racing and yeah, we'll see. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, PJ. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please leave your comments. There will be an extract, as I mentioned, about Eileen Sheridan on the site. And yeah, all the best, PJ. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.